Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown. This episode is going to be kind of an assessment and review of six months of Shatterpoint. It's a year-end review and it's for me and Matt are the ones who do this. What happened is Matt and Jesse Eakin from Hello There are going to be recording a podcast episode talking about running the Republic. I was going to be joining that episode as kind of a bump on the log because while I have run the Republic a bunch, I have not run it nearly as much as Matt or Jesse, so just don't have as developed of thoughts on how to do that. But what happened was on the night that we were going to record, Matt and I had decided to gather together to scrim some, do some games. Jesse was unable to make it. He was out sick. And so what we ended up doing was Matt and I recorded this episode, which you're going to be listening to. So what we do is we kind of give a review of the six months of Shatterpoint, what things did better than we expected, what things did worse than we expected. It's super fun. I, I obviously... I love talking with Matt. I love talking with Matt about Shatterpoint. And I think you'll find there, there there will be things here that you might agree or disagree with us on. Obviously, you can't disagree <laughs> agree or disagree on whether or not we feel like we kind of missed the mark. But it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about. Six months in, what is better than we thought, what is worse than we thought? And Matt and I both have some uh, not super surprising thoughts on that, but we we fleshed out. We have a lot of fun with this episode. Okay, so First off, we've got some tournaments to promote. Uh, CanCon is happening. This is Tobias's tournament that's happening in Australia. So for those of you who are in Australia or can make it to Australia, it's probably a lovely place to be in January. Uh, January 26th through 28th, it's in Canberra. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I think it's a part of a wider tournament convention. So it's awesome that they have a Shatterpoint event. Ooh, that reminds me. It looks like 2024... Adepticon is going to be having a Shatterpoint event. I am I know it's a premier showdown event. I don't know if there's any kind of price support or what's going on. Unfortunately, I'm going to Disneyland in March and so I won't be able to go to Adepticon, but it looks like it's going to be super fun. So, if you want more details, you can either find them on the Slack or I'm sure that there are people willing to talk about it on the other socials. Okay, so Cody out in Reno, Nevada is having his tournament on December 16th, so that's going to be this next week. It's at Game Castle in Reno, Nevada, Dice Roll at 1130 Pacific. It's a $20 buy-in. Christopher in Sweden, in Linkaping, Sweden, they're having their January DEF CON. It's happening on January 6th and 7th, so if you're in Europe, the EU, are able to travel to Sweden, then it's going to be two tournaments, one on January 6th and one on January 7th. They're working on building their local tournament scene there. And then also this week, so the week of December 11th through the 18th, I am confirming the amount of terrain that we're going to be taking to LVO. So I will be following up with people who have committed to take it, and we're just trying to get some kind of a final final estimate number. So again, it's just going to be a casual tournament. We're going to be there playing Shatterpoint, MCP, other things, but just FYI. Okay, so we encourage everyone to rate and review the podcast. Join the Slack. want to encourage everyone to answer the poll question that we're going to have following this episode. We have sent out the last of the first set of promos for people who signed up. I, I'm still having people who are kind of dribbling in, but just FYI, I, I should probably have said this at the start. My wife just had a baby yesterday. Her name is Evelyn Faye Brown. We call her Sugar. And so Sugar was born yesterday. And while we were waiting in the hospital for what seemed like an internally, we were in the hospital for a while. I designed the next set of promo cards. It's a Vader, it's a Vader Luke set. So you know, it was a, it was a great way to spend the time while we were waiting for our baby to arrive, and then while we were just kind of sitting around in the hospital while everyone was kind of recovering. So, I've posted that in the general channel, 
And that is, it's what we're going to be using it for, for sure, is the Xi-Fi Invitational. That we will be having two Xi-Fi Invitationals in 2024. I think one term will be happening in April and the next will be happening in October. But there's also the chance I will probably find a way or think of a way that members of the Slack can get one. I'm not totally positive on that, but just FYI, check that out. And if you are wanting the Obi-Wan Dooku promo and you haven't got it, make sure you fill out the Google form or reach out to me and I'll get it. And last thing, we encourage everyone to submit games on their Zion's Finest Google form that we have pinned in the general chat. And that's all we have. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. All right, so... We're going to talk about some recent games. So, Kenny, what have you been playing lately? So, I have been, in honor of Justin, I have been playing a lot of Lumi. So, what happened was, for those of you who do not know, Justin Chavez in our local group has been a partisan of Lumi for a long time. And I was thinking that he was using Lumi as kind of a... So, he's running Lumi with Dooku. And I thought that he is using Lumi as a different iteration on Ahsoka Dooku. So I wanted to try it out in order to see if it worked. And it turns out that Ahsoka Dooku and Lumi Dooku are two very different lists in terms of what, in terms of what Lumi is adding and what Ahsoka is adding. So the purpose of Ahsoka is to provide this really fast, really defensive tech piece that is very strong into heavy aggro like Vader Grievous. What Lumi is doing is leveraging your ability to consistently wound enemy figures in order to dash and swarm the map. So it's kind of like what Separatists are doing, but it's it's a little and it's not quite as flexible in terms of Kraken. You know, he can he's doing all of these dashes and things like that. But the ability to do it off of wounds makes for a really interesting. I, I think a, it's a very strong ability, a very strong ability. Mm-hmm. So I have been playing a, I've been playing Lumi Dooku, just a bunch. I'm just getting a ton of reps on it. And who are your secondaries and supports there? Okay, so it's the Dooku and Company box. So the the best box Dooku, in the game. Django Magnus. Dooku Django Magnus. It is the best box in the game. If there is one list, if there is, if I were to tell someone, if someone were to say, what box should I get in order to play Shatterpoint? I would say. Would you like to win or do you want to have fun? If you want to have fun, do whatever you want. If you want to win, buy the Dooku box and then buy the Grievous box, right? The the Dooku box is, I, I do think, I know that Vader is probably the maybe, quote unquote, the best unit in the game. Yeah, I disagree with that. I disagree with that too. But, I mean, Dooku, Django, and Magnus are three best in class. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, they are the core. And to be honest, Lumi does not work, I think, without them. Right, yeah. I think it is very tough to. I we've we've talked about this. We've yeah. tried this in other things, but and the consideration there is that in order to really leverage Lumi's flow, the Force ability, yep, you need to have enough presence yep. on the board that you are consistently wounding, that you are that you are doing things with your other units. Yeah, she benefits from having strong units around her. Yes, and if she doesn't have those, then she is just doing nothing on yeah. the table and we're we'll talk about this later in the episode but that is exactly it so then what i i've been trying a bunch of things with her i have ran her yep. with but i i like running her with bow and soups and the reason why is because that makes me think it's an interesting kind of premiere list where but where bow and soups they are not going in any other list so the idea is that as i'm building a premiere list dooku's my core and then lumi bow soups is one of my squads ahsoka ob2 clan crease is another one of my squads it just like makes for some interesting lists and it's been awesome so i played two games last week with scott and i i think i did run yeah i just ran that list twice he played 
Anakin Padme the first time, and then he played, oh, Scott, oh, he played Vader, Grand Inquisitor as a second list. So Scott said that he didn't want, so I said, you should run Vader Grievous because I want to see how this works. And Scott said, well, I think I just roll you if I run Vader Grievous. And so I want to try this other thing, which is fine. But it ended up being the case that I was able to, Dooku Lumi is really, really strong if you are not fighting a ton of aggro. And while he did have Vader, Vader Grand Inquisitor is not as much aggro as Vader Grievous, right? So I was able to beat him both of those games. And then we just played a game tonight where I ran the Republic and we were trying to do an inverse of where putting Lumi in a different matchup. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of my recent games, the one I'll talk about first is my game against Curtis. So I've been kind of doing a grand tour of revisiting things in Republic that are bad to see how they feel on Sabotage Showdown. Yes. Because I think that that objective is quite a bit better for what Republic wants to do yes. in shifting priorities. Yep. So I just ran the Obi-Wan box straight up and down, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi, Cody, 212. Yep. And then the Lumi box straight up and down, Luminara, Barris, and Clone Commandos. Yep. Uh, Curtis was playing Dooku box. Okay. Dooku, Django, Magnus. Yep. And then he was running it with... Uh, Cat Bane. Wasn't he? No, I believe it was Grievous uh, OB2 B2s. Okay. So, yeah. So, so like, the best. No, it was Maul OB2 B2s. Okay. So, it was, like, still, like, I was, like, if you look at our tier lists, the only unit that I was running that was above a C tier in those lists was Kenobi. Yeah. And he was running all of the A and S tier stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, Maul plus Separatist good stuff. Maul is so good. I mean, like, we talk about how good Dooku is. Yeah. Malasoka. Yep. I was really pleasantly surprised by the strength of some of those weaker units in Republic. Okay. Um, I lost the game, but it was close. I made a fight of it. Okay. Uh, I think that some of that is me figuring out, you know, getting the reps into to figure out how to run Republic in a functional way. Yeah. Some of it is also the objective, and some of it is I think that there is some room for those units to succeed. Uh, Lumi did work. Yeah. Barris. I think we have rated really low in the past, but she can be really great as a displacement piece. Yes. And I think we'll talk about that more later. Yep. Kenobi, I still, he's my favorite primary in the game. I think he's still very solid. Kenobi's awesome. Uh, and it turns out that when your 212 have access to dice rerolls from Cody, yeah. they actually can do some work. Yeah. Cody also was very interesting because in a lot of ways... Sabotage Showdown should be exactly where he wants to be. Yeah. Because it's the objectives are much closer together. Yes. He's much more likely to get his free expose off. He's much less likely to need to use movement so he can just like focus and attack people. Yes. He does still, even with all of the focus and the sharpshooter and all the stuff, he does sometimes struggle to climb his tree. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. I do think that when you climb his tree, you're primarily looking to leverage the shoves on the top part of his attack tree rather than the strict damage. Yeah. And he can sometimes do some stuff. His rerolls are phenomenal. Yeah. The biggest problem that Cody has, in my opinion, is that OB2 just completely shuts him down. Oh, man, that's so true. Because, okay, his tactics ability, you can expose a unit, but if that unit is within mind trick range, if you attack them, he can mind trick, the exposed goes, or the exposed... The exposed stays because they don't roll dice. But you have to change your targets. Yeah, and you've done all the setup. And you've done all the setup. If you focus, you lose the focus yep. from that first attack. Ugh. And so you're going from... 
like e even if you don't get the expose, if you focus, you're going from a nine die attack on Cody. He mind tricks you, and you're like, well, I guess I got to make a four die attack. Oh, that hurts so it, bad. And it's just it it makes it really difficult for him to do anything. Yeah, mind trick is just a beast. So all of that said, I was really pleasantly surprised by my ability to make a game of it running kind of some of the worst units in the game yeah. against some of the best units in the game. Yeah. So I do think the Sabotage Showdown does some work. The other game that we we played just tonight, yep. um, I was running Separatist Droids. It was Grievous Box, Grievous Kraken B2s, yep. with then Luminara, Kalani, and B1s. Yep. I wanted to run this for two reasons. The first is I was looking around on the Longshanks data and saw that Lumi Grievous actually has a really high win rate on yep. Longshanks, and I was surprised about that. And I figured, well, it makes sense. Separatists are good at killing people. Yeah. Throw Lumi in there, you can leverage that dash. Yeah. We also landed on the B1 variant primarily because as a premier option. Yes. Often you, you because you are you have a spot for Django Magnus. Yeah. It, it is hard sometimes to figure out what do you do for a third or fourth squad. Yeah. So if you can run Lumi kind of with the extras, how does that feel? Yeah. You were playing... I was playing Mace Kenobi, and Mace it Kenobi. was just very standard Mace Kenobi. Yeah. Kenobi with Rex and Commandos. Yeah. Which is my favorite list in the game. Yeah. I love it. It's great. So... Uh, you thumped me pretty hard. Yeah, the dice variant. I mean, this was a game where our dice variance was very strong. And it, I mean, it was particularly acute at just some brutal breakpoints. Yeah. I mean, you were unable to wound. You were un unable to wound my ARF troopers who yep. had come up a little bit in order to. Like you positioned them very aggressively. Because like the idea you should have been punished based on my experience there. Yeah. And what? I just like, yeah. What I was hoping was, so they, I moved my ARF troopers up. They had two hunker tokens, and I was had cover. So my thought was that I would take a shot, not get one shot, and then be able to dash away. Was kind of the idea, yeah. and force you to kind of come up, so bring you up. So then Mace is able to go up and deliver the killing blow, and you were one damage short of wounding them, right? Yeah. And so now your B twos are up there. Mace is they're a lot closer for Mace, and then that just happened at multiple points in the yeah. game where you rolled tons of failures, tons of expertises, and. Just like those, and they were brutal breakpoints, yeah. right? And so, and I one shot Grievous, yeah, with, with, with Mace, which was wild. Yeah, I rolled four failures and an expertise, and he was exposed. Yep, and he was exposed, and right? So you just one shot Grievous. So I one shot Grievous, and then I one shot. I mean, it was just, it was, it was. Um, I, I one shot Grievous. Obi Wan with um the damage from Commandos was able to one shot your B ones, mm -hmm. and so like that was just kind of how the game went. It was very interesting because I played Republic a lot when we were starting into the game and then kind of peeled away from them and it's been really interesting playing dooku and ahsoka and like more focusing on these control lists and now playing republic where mace and obi-wan are very i'm thinking about this in terms of primary matchups because mace in a lot of ways is like dooku but offensive yeah and ahsoka is not at all like obi-wan but she is similar in that they are very defensive units that are able to kind of be forwardly advanced Obi Wan's yeah. interesting because you don't he's you don't want him going first. You're reserving him and doing right. all that stuff. But it's very interesting being able to put those guys up while you really want your clones to stay back as much as possible and just yep. leverage their coordinated fire, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the conclusion that I came to at least, and I've played the Grievous Luminara in a couple of variants. Yeah, I think that it is potentially very good yes if you are running Django and magna guards in there yeah so i think that if you sub out kraken for Django, yeah and if you know just generally speaking 
if your list has Django and Magnus, yeah. they, they are going to lift the ability of every single other thing that that list is trying to do. Yeah. But the idea of the experiment where we were trying to say, can we get a, another squad that is separate as focused in there? I think it's it's fine, but I think that Lumi is not the right choice. Yeah. Because you just don't have enough offensive punch. Yes. You don't have any displacement in the list. Which is huge. With, unless you roll shoves on your attacks, which is a big deal. Yep. And so if you sub Lumi out for Maul, suddenly he can, you know, suck people off of points. Yep. There are so I think that there is room to do something like that with Maul or maybe with some other you know units in the game. Yeah. That provide a little bit more control and displacement. But in general, if you're trying to go Grievous Luminara, you just kind of end up optimizing back towards the Dooku Luminara list. Yeah. That is just, I think, a better version. Of or that like game. the Grievous Maul list, right? Exactly. Like, so you're going like in these. So, and well, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So what, what this episode, what we want to do is we've been playing the game for six months and what we kind of, and we want to do this reassessment. We want to think about units that are stronger than we thought and units that are weaker than we thought. And do we want to start with Ahsoka or should we start with Lumi and kind of continue? Let's start with Luminara because that's okay. where we've been. So we should say, initially, when Luminara came out, I was super sweet on her because I'm, I'm like, oh, she's got this really cool ability. Flow of the Force is really awesome. But then everyone started running Vader Grievous. I was running Lumi Obi-Wan and just got worked. Yep. Because the problem with Lumi is that, and you you know this as well as I do, is that Lumi does not work with the Republic because they are not able to leverage either end of Flow of the Force. They're not defensive enough in order to soak up attack so that when she's able, when you your units are, units are wounded, she can pass out heals because everyone's just getting one shot, right? And they're not offensive enough to be able to trigger her free dashes off yep. of wounds, right? I agree with that with a caveat okay. i i think that there's potentially a place for luminar in republic yeah but it's one of those things where you have to be positioning perfectly perfectly you have to be playing really well yes and it oh, doesn't work against super aggro lists yes so if you're playing against more displacement control lists that are doing more you know damage in three to four chunks yes then suddenly her healing when one of your units gets wounded is super relevant yes in my obi lumi game against curtis i healed easily more than 15 damage in that game yeah. from Lumi's ability alone yeah. because he was pushing people off and occasionally he'd wound somebody, I'd get a heal somewhere else. Yeah. So like that can matter. I think there is room for that, but you have to build around what she's trying to do. Yeah. And you have to know, I mean, I think the problem was what we thought, what I thought at least when she was initially released was I've got these clones and I'm running into Vader or I'm running into Grievous or I'm running into Vader Grievous or I'm running into Dooku yep. and I'm just not able to like get enough. And I didn't know how to position really at the time, right? And so initially we rated her very low. Yep. I think, I mean, so when we did our, even as recently as when we did our primary unit tier list, I was not present for that episode. And so I think that all of the Galactic Republic primaries were underranked severely yeah. because I was not there to advocate for them. I was trying, but it was very hard. But... I do, I do think check. that, yeah, yeah. even in the, those cases, though, I think that Kenny mentioned this on the Slack the other day, which is like, it turns out Luminar is great when you run her with good units. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, because Lumi's ability is, and this is a part of the reassessment. So what happens is Justin Chavez starts talking about how he's been running Lumi Dooku. And we're like, well, you're running Lumi with the best box in the game. It's yeah. going to be fine, right? But then well, not just the best box in the game, but also OB2. Also, so, so, oh, that's true. So, he was running over yeah. here. So you're running it, and and then I think his other support there, he's running super commandos. He was running soups, yeah. And so it's sort of like, okay, you're running Luminara 
with four S tier units. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, what is that? It doesn't yeah. say anything. Right? And so initially I was super skeptical about it. Yeah. But once you play it, you realize, oh, if you're able, so the dash powerful. is so powerful. It is such a powerful ability. Now, Lumi's problem is that kind of like Ahsoka, she's going to do very little on her activation. Yep. Because she's she's slow. She has a, a dash for a force, which doesn't feel great. And she has no like free displacement or anything like that, right? And so on her activation, you don't feel good. But mano live, the ability to one, you're looking, you're being able to peek at the top of your card at, at, for your order deck is excellent. And when you're able to wound somebody that you're the one who's able to dash is so good. And with Dooku, when your units are wounded, you're able to dash, right? And so now she just becomes, you, she just adds this really dynamic presence onto the field with Dooku and, or, or with strong units. I don't think it, I don't think she's only good with Dooku, but I became a convert. I realized yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, Flow of the Force is an unbelievably strong yeah. ability. The other thing that I think caveat that I want to add into this conversation is we're talking about things that are better or worse than we thought. Yeah. I think it's really common in the game right now to try to compare everything against like the best of what's in the game. Yes. So like, I think that it's really natural to compare everything to like, well, what does this secondary do compared to Django? Yeah. What do these supports do compared to Magna Guards? Yeah. And I think that's an important consideration. Yeah. But I also think it's important to realize that like, those two units are outliers that break the curve. Hardcore. And it's really important when we're assessing units to consider them not just against those two, yeah. but against the rest of the field in the game. Yeah, see, and my problem, and, and this was my initial problem with Lumi, was after having played her, and especially once Mace came out, the question became, why would I ever run Lumi over Obi and Mace, right? Because yeah. Obi is providing your, your team with the defense that they yeah. desperately need. And Mace is providing steadfast and protection and a figure that you always want to shatter point, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Obi and Mace are just incredible Republic primaries, even if we think Republic is a bit undertuned. And Lumi, it just doesn't, it's not clear how she fits. And then you realize, oh, well, that's not her fit, right? Her fit is in this other kind of archetype running yeah. with these really strong units. And now Flow of the Force becomes this very strong ability proactive ability i mean scott was just demoralized when we played our two games yeah. because every time i'm wounding his figure he's like okay you know if, if you don't if you're not running a reactive piece i'm gonna wound you and i'm gonna get a dash maybe even swing two points all right it's wild it feels really strong yeah you like you only need to do that thing where you wound somebody and flip two points in one activation yeah like once or twice in a game and you, and gotta, you just you just win yeah 100%. And so it's really powerful it doesn't always trigger that way yeah but even so like you can do things where you wound and you take a point and then you're moving a second piece onto that point to shore it up to make it hard for your opponent to flip it back yeah it can be really really strong yeah um, the other general rule that i want to lay out that i think was a really common mistake that we made early on yeah. is that it's really especially with primaries you just kind of look at like how much damage can they do yes what are their big swings yep and how do they step up and do things yeah and i think ahsoka is kind of the pitch perfect example of this yeah a lot of people really did not like ahsoka at first when she came out and a lot of people still don't like her because they're sort of like she doesn't do anything when she attacks yes her she has this cool interrupt where she can dat or she can advance when one of her units get wounded yeah and make a five die attack but a five die attack on her kind of doesn't really do anything it's not very strong and and it was very hard or it was very common for people to sort of be like well i'm gonna wall up with her and swing for the fences and then she just doesn't do what i need yes. her to and then i just want to play somebody else yes and so Talk to me about where you found a different space for Ahsoka. Yeah, so that was actually my story. Was what happened was I initially was I was maining Ahsoka and I was running Ahsoka Mall. Really, I was just running Ahsoka with everything initially yeah. and just could not get it to work. 
could not figure out Ahsoka's not doing damage. I just, it wasn't working. So I actually shelved Ahsoka and was not playing her. And then what happened was when Vader Grievous comes out and we are looking for an answer to the heavy aggro, Sam talks about how there's Ahsoka Dooku, right? Now Ahsoka is like Lumi in that she works when she is running with ob 2 Django and Magnus and Dooku, but she's able to work with them in a very interesting kind of way. Because now what Ahsoka is, Ahsoka is not a figure that you plan to do a lot on your activation, but like Lumi, she is a figure that you are a primary, you are very confident going early. They can go up and take points and hold on to points, right? And just put a lot of pressure on the map that way. She's very difficult to move away. And so I just learned she is just a pressure tempo piece but not for damage but just for control and the excellent thing about her ability is her protector ability is your units get wounded and if your opponent isn't timing it correctly and sometimes they can't or timing it properly then she can dash or she can advance and snag that spot back right so you're you're not planning on her doing hardly anything on her activation and instead what you're doing is you're using her to create defensive pressure and just put your opponent in hard in yeah. hard choices right particularly against the vader grievous exactly list. that grievous. list very much builds its advantage by saying i'm going to one shot everything yep and get force refresh from doing it yep and like the so the damage that i take doesn't matter because i'm just doing so much more damage yep. than you and i'm scoring so quickly and what the ahsoka dooku list does is it says okay well you're all melee attacks yeah you can attack dooku yep and wound him. You can't attack Ahsoka and wound him. Nope. Uh, you you can't attack Obi two and wound him. Nope. Uh, Magna guards are gonna complicate things. Yep. And like you you can maybe one shot them, but it's gonna take a lot of work. Yeah. And so basically, it allows you to, especially in the early game, put bodies on points that are then difficult for Vader Grievous to immediately flip and gain a scoring advantage. Which is the that is completely opposite of what they're doing normally, where they're exactly. just killing everybody. Right. Exactly. So I've been thinking about. A variation on the same idea that's running a republic core around mace yeah because you talked about mace being similar to dooku in yes. a lot of ways but more offensively pitched yeah and so if you look at a mace ahsoka kind of a pairing with some republic units trying to basically it, it's not going to work exactly the same way as ahsoka dooku yeah. but firing in a similar way we have figured out like what to do with ahsoka and how she can work in these like lists and so exactly. you run her in that and you'll be happier yeah. with her I think Asajj fits in a very similar category for me. Yeah. I think she's less solved than I would like her to be. Yeah. Uh, I We generally have rated her pretty low, and I don't know that I've necessarily changed that opinion. Force push is really strong. Yes. Her mobility is incredible. Yes. She is defensively very weak. Yes. And offensively, she's not going to hit hard. And I think the mistake that I know I made a lot and that I generally see people make is they attack with her damage side. Because you look at it, you're like, oh, you get an extra die. The da- there are a lot more little damage symbols on there. That feels great. Yes. And I think the reality is that she she very rarely is going to get more than three successes on either side. Yeah. And the her the 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 stance card side where she is getting multiple shoves in those three steps is so much more immediately impactful yeah. than the damage side that I think she just kind of stays in that shove side most of the time. I think there's a general error where, we, where especially early on, yeah. we overvalue damage and we underrated the impact of shoves and displacement. Yes. The other thing about Asajj is that she can do things that no other primary can do. Yeah. It's expensive sometimes, but I have had multiple games playing her recently where I've like flip her over and I'm like, wow, you know, I have the force budget to do it. And the best thing that she can do right now is move, double jump, and force push somebody up a point. Yeah. And then take cover. 
Yeah. And she's not attacking. She's not doing any damage. Yep. But she's making a huge impact on the board. I think there's more potential for her, yeah. especially in the future, if we see that some of the damage ramp scales back a little bit in the game. Yeah. If we see some adjustments that way, I think she is... Displacement is strong, is yeah. what I'm trying to say, and she's a tool that can do that for you. Let's talk about Barris in light of that, because Barris is a figure, again, I mean, what happens is, so Matt has been maining Republic since the beginning. Yeah. I have mained the Republic when it was released, and then I dropped it like a rock. Yep. And Barris is a good example of where I think we miscalculated. Yep. And I, I play Barris. I'm playing her with Mace and Obi, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. She's adding more dice. She's just following Mace and giving him more yep. dice, which is very cool. But it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as strong. But what we've learned again with the value of shoves and things like that is all and also diceless displacement, right? Yeah. So this is so Morgan Reed who run won the recent TTS tournament. I don't know where it I was think the hello there TTS tournament. Oh, it was right? hello there. It wasn't the general one. Yeah. Okay. So Morgan Reed's obviously a very good player, and hello, and he has an episode where he talks with hello there, and they they talk about this. He has this rule where his lists have. Each of his lists, so every every list he brings, so he has two squads, has two forms of diceless displacement. So he has Maul, he has Mama T, he has Barris, he has Django. And the idea there is that I want every squad to have access to somebody who can do diceless displacement. Because here's the thing, so like in the list you were running, Lumi, Grievous, Droids, Mace, you have to attack him in order to move. He has steadfast and incredible defense, yep. so he's very difficult to remove. If you have Maul... Yep. or Mama T, or Django, or anybody, then you're just like, hey, Mace is off the point, right? Yep. And so we've learned, like, with Barris, like, Barris's value, and so what, what Morgan was doing was he was running a Vader core, and then he has Dooku, Barris, Magnus, which I honestly think is just kind of brilliant. And the idea there is that Barris's weak thing is she is a very defensively weak. She is extremely yep. easy to kill. But with Dooku, it's like, that's fine. Like, yep. you wound her, and then I'm going to be able to do all of my things, right? Yeah. Dooku's giving you force refresh so you can actually afford to force push. Yes. Right? Yeah, and and with Jacob. Vader, and Vader is, if Vader's your core, she has access to additional dice when necessary, you know? Yep. And so, so Barris is a figure that I feel like we initially, we rated down because we're thinking about her naturally in this place of Republic where she's not able to consistently do what she's doing. But also, honestly, I think that was more, we just miss judged the value of diceless displacement i think barris could work in republic uh, right yeah i think so that she's the secondary that i'm thinking about in that mace ahsoka list yeah. under ahsoka for exactly that reason yeah. mace is giving you a little bit more force budget flexibility exactly and she's kind of being a poor man's ob2 yeah. with republic synergy in that list to try and displace people try to you know move people around so yeah i think barris has a lot of potential but she really does sit in the place where it's sort of like she gives you access to diceless displacement in in this secondary slot. Yeah. She's worse at it than Django. Oh yeah. She is still worse than Obi2. Oh yeah. But she is pretty solid as a like third or fourth pick. Yeah. If that's the that's the impact that you're looking for in that slot. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Okay, so one unit that initially we rated, I don't think we rated it low, we rated it lower comparatively was Clan Crease. Yeah, and maybe let's talk about Clan Crease and Super Commandos together. Okay, that's a great idea. Actually, you talk about Super Commandos. Yeah. So I know very early on, the conventional wisdom in the larger community was Super Commandos are just better than Clan Crease. Yep. You just always take them every single time. More health. More health. Um, the main thought there was like, you want bodies to go stand on points yep. and contest them. Super Commandos are positioned to do that, whereas Clan Krees are a little bit squishier. 
and they want to attack from range. Yep. And so that does some funny things to... And the, the super commandos will punish people from trying to leave engagement. Yep. They can lock units down. Yeah. They can do some cool stuff. So the general wisdom was super commandos are just better. Yeah. What we, we locally have actually really swung to prefer clan Krees, primarily because super commandos just kind of feel like a bad version of Magnus. Yeah. And when Magnus <laughs> are everywhere yes. and when super commandos are going up against Magnus, yep. they just lose that fight every single time. Every single time. Uh, and Magnus are doing bodyguard and other things yeah. that, and they they have that out of activation mobility. So the jump and the other action economy that super commandos give you is fine. Yeah. Um, I know Justin really loves the super commandos as a piece of lockdown in that Dooku Ahsoka list. Yeah. And I think that makes a certain amount of sense where you already have Magnus on the table yeah, sure. and where you also have Obi-2 on the table yeah. to further juggle where people can attack. Yeah. But we have really swung to liking Clan Krees because the fact that they have so sharpshooters great. Yep. The fact that they have your choice of pin into shove or shove into shove, shove and the first so two steps on their tree yep. is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's the best two steps in the game, it, right? It really is. And the fact that they can do that at range, they can do some really cute things. Yeah. Um, I have had games where a single Clan Krees attack completely shut out Evader activation. Yep. Because they push him away. Yep. Um, pin him pin him yep and then they say great you're pinned yep. and you're out of position yeah so what are you going to do on your activation yeah. you can move an attack yeah i have had other games where like if they're able to finish off a vader or a maul or somebody that has a like dash attack response yeah they can just say nope you don't get to do that yeah right yeah and um, they're so i mean like and they are well they are not as defensive uh I, they have seven health as opposed mm -hmm. to the eight and you're not really running them they don't need to run with bow no. But that's fine because you're kind of running them like you've talked about this, like Mando's Clan Kreese is like a good clone trooper, right? Yeah. Where they're they're not meant to be up front. If they're up front, they're yeah. going to die, right? But honestly, clone commandos are going to die. I'm sorry, uh, super commandos yeah. are going to die, right? Like they're not also, they have one more health, but they don't have protection unless they're in the bow bubble. And so they're, they're this very strong positional piece that's playing on the back line that you can make swings with because of how consistently they're able to push them, even if they're not doing a ton of damage. It is also, I think, just like Luminar, worth adding a caveat that part of where we see the Clan Kree's Mando shine is when you're running them in a list that also has Dooku and Jango and of Magnus. Course, of course. Right? Because those are all units that are creating a forward pressure Absolutely. that they can stand behind. Yes. They're beefy bodies. Yes. They, and then Clan Kree's can shove units off and then either join them on the point or just shove them off to flip the point with another body there. I do think that is actually a huge and very important yep. caveat is they need that kind of beefy midline, right? Yep. In order to, so that they're not like the first line of attack. Yep. And also that was where we were learned like Bo initially, we, Matt and I have talked about this because Matt and I talk about a lot of things, but one of the things is we overestimated Bo and command commandos, especially their durability. Yep. Right. Like we thought both protection and steadfast and eight health and they, and Bo has amazing expertise. Yep. We were like, Oh, they're going to be able to do this. And they are very defensive units, but not like to anchor that kind of midline, like figures like Ahsoka, Dooku, Jango, Magnus. Right. Yep. And so yeah. one of the other things that's really tricky about some of this stuff is that whenever you have protection, that is, and this is something I'm just barely learning to appreciate. When you have protection that is keyed to positioning, yes. you're contesting an objective, yes. or even makes you're, you're engaged with a unit, yes. um, because damage is applied at the end of the attack, yep. 
if they can shove you out of range to turn off that protection mid attack, yep. the protection goes away. Yep. And I think bow especially she gets steadfast, but it's it, and it's only range three. Yeah. So that's a, and that's a pretty tight band, yeah. right? For like four. Bow needs so Bow's ability is Mandalorians within range three that are contesting an active objective gain protection and steadfast. So those are those are two triggers. Yep. They need to be contesting an objective and within range three of Bow. And you would be surprised at how often that is not the case, yeah. right? Or how often you can, even through steadfast with shoves, yeah, change that calculus exactly. so that you can turn off that protection. Yeah. So that hurts. Yeah. I mean, so Clan Crees better than we thought mm -hmm. super commandos a little worse than we thought although i think things are always kind of like in a position of flux but clan craze is certainly better than we thought absolutely um we also want to talk about night sisters and savage i think we are we are generally very fond of talzin and we think that she's great mom is awesome and the question is does her supporting cast do enough yeah. to bring her along i know uh dizzard from uh rogue sport yep is really really sweet on the night sister box yes and I'll recommend if you're a Night Sister fan or if you want to learn more about that, you should listen to that rogue support. Literally every single podcast they talk, it doesn't matter what they're yep. talking about. They did a recent episode on the Galactic Republic, like running the Galactic Republic. And the intro was them just talking about how much they, I mean, they were like, oh, recent games we played. Oh, I played Mama, Mama, right? Because Mama yeah. T's awesome, right? So yeah, they, exactly. they talk about her a lot and they have a lot of reps with yeah. Mama, Mama. In our tier list, I think part of how we assess them was you know, we and we caught some flack from Diz specifically about rating Night Sisters too low. Yeah, but we were sort we of, rated them as a C. I think. I, right? Yeah, we rated them pretty low, and we were sort of like Savage just doesn't quite do very much on his activation, and Night Sisters just kind of feel like like if they were clone troopers, they would be the best clone troopers in the game. Which is so funny, but they don't have the Republic tag, and so their synergies that they have are just different. Yeah, I've played Talzin a little bit more since then. My opinions have changed somewhat. I was actually really pleasantly surprised at Savage's ability to just be a like beefy potato that sits on an objective. Yeah. Um, particularly because after having played a lot of Galactic Republic and appreciating that that's exactly what clone trooper style units want. Yes. Is somebody else that can be defensively strong and stand on a point yeah. that they can then attack into from the back line to push off or wound or yeah. make an impact. Because he has protection attack. and steadfast that is not. Uh -huh. That is just totally free. And 10 health. And, and 10 he, health. And he gets some out of activation movement. Yes. Right? So all of those things together, Night Sisters have some cute things in terms of adding extra dice. One of the dynamics that they have that's actually very cool is their their ability that gives them extra dice can trigger from each other. Yes. And so one of the intended play patterns there is that you move one up to melee engage so that yeah. the range attack hits really hard. Yeah. Um, I think that Night Sisters... And the Talzin box in general actually does work pretty well yeah. as a stand-up box. And this is, again, where I come back to comparing Savage against the rest of the field. Yeah. He is not Django. Yes, he is so. not OB2. <laughs> That's true. Like, he is also, like, not a Rex. Yeah. Right? He is he is not a, a secondary who's going to do really, really incredible things during his activation. Yeah. And, like, I think part of the problem is that you get baited by his card because his card says... You want him to walk up and attack primaries and kill them. Yeah. And then he can't actually do it. And he cannot like, do that. Why did I bring you? Yeah, exactly. And the answer is his job is to walk up onto a point that like, like to either to be a second body onto that point. Yes. Or to secure a point that you're already there. Or even just to say like, I can't flip any points right now, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily need to. Yep. And so he's going to create pressure on a point and deal some good damage. Yeah. So that my other units can follow up later. Yeah. Cause the thing is, is again, Savage's, in my opinion, so like 
when we're talking about this reassessment, I am still not super sweet on yeah. Sisters or Savage. And Savage, my problem is, is he doesn't have a shove. He has no yep. shoves. And so Matt's, I think Matt, you're right in terms of thinking like this is how he's meant to be leveraged, right? right. Like this durable body that is difficult to remove. So then you can continue to mm -hmm. fall off with pressure. And often I think what you were doing with him, especially is leveraging his out of activation movement to get him onto points before he activates. Great point. Or outside of his activation. Yeah. So that if you're sometimes if you're in a situation where it's like, okay, he got shoved off. Yeah. Great. But Talzin activates, she gives him a dash to put him back put in the it, point. It, yep. She makes a big attack onto that point. Yeah. And then suddenly you can flip that with his body. Yeah. Mama T so, is so good. Yeah. So I was previously in the position where it was like, I think Talzin is good. I think Night Sisters are a little lackluster, but you take them. But maybe you don't always take Savage. Yeah. And maybe you take a Dathomirian primary instead. Yeah. But the more I think about Premier, the more I that that I've played them, I think like you do just run the Talzin. I think in Premier that is the way to think about it, right? If you're not optimizing, Diz says, and I think this is really interesting because he says that he runs M Mama with Savage when he is running Vader because yeah. Vader is able to make Savage really hum right because he's taking that damage which is yeah. generally fine because he's still not going to get one shot and then he's really threatening some spikes right and yeah. so that's an interesting point but i think for premiere i think you still just run the box yeah. right i think the i mean the the cute thing that i think i remember seeing diz talk about is he actually puts savage as the secondary under vader oh, and that's then he puts like Django under talzin oh. and then you have another squad that has maul in it okay and so you can sort of like you only run savage with vader I think that's cute, but I think that in general, yeah. you're better off just running the Talzin boxes, the Talzin box, yeah. because there are so many better things to be doing with Vader. Yeah, you don't, I mean, you'd never want, because like, like if you're running Vader on your list, you're probably making Vader a core feature of your list. Yeah. He's not your fourth squad. No, he's not your fourth. If he is, then wow, <laughs> you must be running a really strong squad. Okay, one other thing, and this is the last thing in terms of things that are stronger than we thought, and this is just our, our things about how we think the Separatist is a really strong faction is out of activation movement, right? Yep. Also why we think Lumi's good, right? Yep. The ability to move figures when it is not that figure's activation and swarm the board and put your opponent in a place where they're not going to have... They will just be facing a bevy of bad options is the way to do it, right? Yep. So Kraken is moving droids. Kalani is moving a ton of droids if they start close to him. Dooku is moving when your figures get wounded. Ahsoka is the same, right? The, these abilities to react or proactively swarm can just put a ton of pressure on your opponent and is way stronger than we initially thought, right? Absolutely. Winning on tempo as board space as opposed to tempo as damage is something that we have learned is a very strong ability, yeah. right? And, and then maybe the way to think about that as well is often what you were trying to do during the activation is move a body onto a point yes. and then push an opponent's body off that point. Yeah. And if you have the ability to move bodies without activating them, without spending actions yes. on that, that's an incredible economy win. Yeah, just like that's it. It's an action economy thing, which is such a good point. So, yeah. I mean, if, if I think the general rule is, you know, Morgan Reed has his rule of two forms of diceless displacement. I think being able to respond in terms of having, having out of activation movement reactively or proactively is yeah. something you should really think about when you're building lists absolutely there are only a couple of things that we want to talk about in terms of maybe overestimating them or being weaker than we thought um, let's talk about general kenobi yeah i have my partisan opinions about him for sure but i think this is actually this is why i'm glad we are talking about this because 
I think that Matt and I, Matt especially, is kind of uniquely leveraged to discuss. So the thing about Obi-Wan, when Obi-Wan was released and when we were playing the game, Obi-Wan's ability, his his leadership ability is incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. The ability to hold on to hunker tokens, gain more dice, and then be able to heal and move is an extremely strong ability. Besides Vader, maybe Dooku, one of the strongest leadership abilities in the game. Okay. But what what I learned or what I was thinking as I was playing is that I was not able, the Republic was not able to leverage the defense that he was supplying well enough in terms of because what you want is you want, if you're giving your figures more defense, you want that to be to preventing your opponent from hitting break points yep. so that then you're able to, you know, snowball this value attrition advantage. And I just found that he wasn't able to do that, which is why he was, I was rating him lower than I would have thought initially. No, what do you think about that? So I think that is accurate. I do think that some of that is just a positioning thing. Yes. One of the things that I have found, especially in Sabotage Showdown, mm-hmm. is that it is often very, very possible to position your defensively weak clone troopers in such a way where there's just no incentive for your opponent to attack them. Okay. Right. Especially like if they're standing on a backline point. Yes. And if you have two, you, if you have two bodies from two different units or more contesting yeah. a single point, often your opponent is going to look at that and say, even if I can get there, yeah, I can't flip the point. Yeah. The damage is not going to matter. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to do something else. Yeah. And that can be a really impactful thing. Yes. I think that the, the knowledge and defense like heal and dash thing is much more relevant on like primaries and secondaries in Republic yeah. than it is on clone supports. And I think that Kenobi as a piece, like he's my favorite like unit in the game, probably. Yeah. He's so awesome. I think he is such a phenomenal toolbox piece yeah. because he, he is very mobile. He has a jump. Mm-hmm. His attacks are very, very consistent. Super consistent. Super consistent. He does, I would say, like pretty average damage for a primary. Yeah, he's doing seven. Yeah, yeah like seven solid damage, damage yeah. but he he does not have spike potential. No. Because he's getting, like, his tree is limited. He's, so he's getting like, maxing out at nine damage. Right? Yep. But he also has access to a decent number of shoves. Yes. And on his Suresu side, that side is very interesting because in some ways it's like, well, on Ataro side, you do more damage and you have more shoves. And you have and better you have, defenses. And you have conditions that you And you doing. have conditions. So, like, yeah. why do you go to Suresu? And the answer is Suresu is a more flexible side and it has a bunch of recover on it. Yeah. And so, really, what you do is you leap into the fray with Ataru mm-hmm. and then you yeah. say, Do you want to attack me? Yeah. And if they attack you, then you're flipping to Suresu and saying, Attacking me was a mistake. Yeah. I will I'm heal just going to heal this. all of that damage yeah. and stay in here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in Obi-Wan, he is such a strong defensive unit. I think my thing is not that in terms of, do you think, like, is Obi-Wan weaker than you initially thought and you have just gotten better at playing him? I, so here's, I think Obi-Wan is good. I think that there are other things in the game that are better. And I think that it's yeah. more that I underestimated how how much better those other things were. Okay, that's fair. If that makes sense. Yeah. I also think that in a different context, Obi-Wan, like, so like, if Obi-Wan was Separatist Alliance tagged oh. instead of Republic, Lord he, have mercy. he would be a terror in the metagame. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it. And that's so much of what's happening in Republic yeah. is more so than any other keyword. Everything in Republic is balanced around the context of everything else in Republic. Yeah. And you have to be able to get that to fire. And I think that part of the problem is that 
there are some units in the game that are just even when you're firing on all cylinders republic are still just doing things that are better than what you can do yeah and so why bother yeah yeah i mean i think for me like i i think that obi-wan is weaker than i initially thought only because i have revised my feeling of the republic down and realized that i was i I was thinking i don't think obi-wan is doing enough I think that is going to be an opinion that will change as we get more reps in, as we figure it out. I mean, because you really got to approach the Republic with a different mindset, yeah. right? I think my initial thought, I guess one way where my opinion has changed mm-hmm. is my initial thought was Kenobi is your build around unit in Republic. Like he's the center of your list. No. And I don't think that's true. Mace is the center. I, th- of I think it's Mace yeah. uh, or it's Vader. Or Vader. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. yeah. Uh, or like, I think you're picking one of your seven or six cost primaries that yeah. you're putting Ars under. Yeah. And you're saying that's my core squad. Yep. And then you are, and then Kenobi is a solid list that you are pairing with that. Yeah. I mean, Mace is such an extremely good anchor piece. Like, I yeah. mean, we, we, People don't give him, I think, the love that he has because they don't like the Republic. But Mace is just yep. such a problem when you're playing against him. So. He is phenomenal on the table. Yeah. Okay. So one other unit that we that was weaker than I thought is Republic Commandos when they were initially released. I was like, oh, these guys are awesome. They have protection, you know. But they are an interest. We've already kind of gone long on this, but I just want to say what is interesting about them. I thought they were strong, but I was not accounting for the fact that they have six health, which is a huge problem mm-hmm. right and, and not just because it's like well that's effectively seven health that's true but that's still low yeah. right like that that's not they're not more durable mm-hmm. right if they're all getting one shot and the other thing was not having access to shoves right yes. arfs are just better in every mm-hmm. way and so yeah i think that the other thing about commandos that's interesting is that they are the clone troopers that are positioned to say like we do damage yeah right they don't shove no we just they have damage. some conditions but it's like I think they have a pin and they have a strain, but like they're not super relevant yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. They do damage when they attack. Yep. Their coordinated fire adds damage in. Yep. And they're they're a little bit more durable, but not a lot more durable in terms of standing on points. Yeah. So like they are still the best for cost clone sport. Yes. But this that's a very low bar to clear right now. And I'm hoping that Wolfpack really changes up that situation yeah for sure. i'm really interested in to see how um, the wolfpack tricks because the, they are looking like they're going to be melee focused clones which if that works like whole that sounds great yeah but i think that the problem that clone commandos often run into is they can't one shot anything by themselves nope and although they are they, maxing out at eight damage which but, is kind but, of wild but, but they're they never climbing the tree they don't get there because no. they're only rolling six dice yes and their offensive expertise is middling yes so even with our trooper exposed yes it's like if you get three successes, you are happy. 100%. Um, I I did have a game the other day where with ARF Trooper Expose plus Cody rerolls. Okay. Right? Uh, this was my Obi Lumi game. Yeah. They, my my clone commandos did eight damage to Dooku. Oh, man. That's like wild. in a single act between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, that's cool. And like they can do stuff. I think part of it, though, is it's like you also have to have Cody. Yeah. And that's a big ass. Yeah, exactly. And so they're running, they're running Cody. Right. Yeah. And so like, but that's part of what I think is interesting and maybe lackluster with Republic is yeah. that some of those two, like, because the list in general is so synergistic. Yeah. If some of those tools are under the curve. Yeah. There are gaps in the rest of the faction that yeah. you just really struggle to fill. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. Republic commandos are weaker than we thought. And we've talked about that. Yes. Okay. 
So the other thing we want to talk about in general is like state of the game in terms of nerfs and buffs. Yeah. Mostly because this has been a big point of conversation on the Slack about like, oh, it seems like these things are too strong. It seems like these things are too weak. How do we solve for this? And I think it's a really natural conversation to want to have to sort of say, how would I fix this problem? Yes. As a way to talk about or identify where those gaps are. And I think that can be a really productive conversation, but it can also be a really toxic conversation. Yeah. And I want to talk about what I think are kind of good policies or like how we try to approach those conversations. Yeah. A couple of things that I think are important to be clear about. We have played this game a lot. We have played a lot. So like even, even compared to people that have bought Shatterpoint. Yeah. Like we are like really outliers in terms of how much we've been able to play. We're playing one to two to three games per week. Yeah. And it's important to remember that most people that play this game are very, are casual players. 100%. And that is good and correct. And that's right for the game. Yeah. If you if you have a community of players that are nothing but like competitive tryhards, yeah, those games tend to die out really quickly because it's hard for new players to enter in and yep. have fun. Yeah, and so we're six months in. We feel like we have a pretty good sense of the relative strengths of a lot of things. Yes, we there. I think there's plenty of ground to discover. There are a lot of unknowns, and so I think number one is do not let any conversation about things being strong or weak dissuade you from trying things. Oh yeah. Right, you. Sh- there, there is still ground to explore. We were wrong about Lumi. Yeah, I, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. In some ways, we were right. Yeah, and we've been learning more about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think that from a game balance perspective, it is definitely way too early for for us to expect AMG to do anything. Yeah. Right. Like, I would be shocked if a year from now, if there are balance changes. Okay. And that's probably okay for the vast majority of the player base. Yeah. I think we are kind of antsy and would like some units to be changed now. Yeah. But I think that there are a number of different reasons why it's fine that that's not the case. Like yeah. there, there's an overhead when you change rules, especially for casual players where if they bought things, they don't play for six months and yeah. then they want to come back. Yeah. It's hard to then say, Oh, all the stuff that I bought works differently than I remember. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And that dissuades people from wanting to play. And there are other things to, there's the opportunity to balance by at addition rather than by making changes to what's already there. Yeah. There's a bunch of other things. And I think the number one thing that I want to emphasize is that hardcore players like us need to be comfortable with the idea that the game is often, and I would say rarely will, sorry, the, the game will rarely be balanced around what we want yeah. and around the tournament metagame. Yeah. The, the primary life of the game is making sure that it is fun for your average player for your casual player yep and often that means doing things that are going to be different than what the tournament metagame with the really high hardcore players really want or need yeah it's important that there's some level of balance at the top yeah because that will be effective and will trickle down yeah but at a certain level of skill you know if something is busted because a really skilled player knows how to pilot it well but your casual player needs yeah, the little bit of extra strength there in order to get utility that can be okay in yeah. some cases i think that's that's an excellent point and I, I should also say what's really interesting is that it seems like like all the content creators who are producing shatterpoint content we are we don't talk about this but there is a very even without talking about it we have a very similar kind of group think like what's interesting is that momentous struggle Hello there. I mean, lots of people have rogue support have released episodes talking about making the Republic better, which is something we've all kind of talked about, right? Like, okay, now we're trying to play into the space where we make the Republic better. Hello there just had an awesome two part episode where they talk. It was a, a project they called 
nerf, buff, pass. And what Jesse and Amon did was they went through every single unit and said, do you nerf it, do you buff it, do you pass? Now, they were not doing, if we're going to do all of these changes, but it was more just like an approach to which, to be honest, as I was listening to it, there was a few things that I might have quibbled on, but generally their assessment in terms of what needs to be nerfed, buffed, or passed upon was exactly where I was. Like when they were saying things, I was like, I, I agree, right? I might be a little more severe or maybe a little less severe, maybe on a margin, but it's really interesting to kind of see us all kind of moving through this space together. And I also think that like Jesse and Amon do a very good job. So they have this, I mean, they have a two-part episode, Nerf, Buffer, Pass, yeah. that they do a very, I think a very constructive job of explaining. And we try and do this on the Slack when we talk about this, explaining why it is that we think this particular changes need to work, but also realizing we none of this needs to happen, right? Like none of this needs to happen for this still to be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. So with all of that laid down, yeah. in terms of balance adjustments in the game yes what do you think needs to be addressed i think that this is to be honest if i have if i have a very limited wish list mm-hmm. vader gets nerfed okay his ability matt has actually suggested this and i think this is the correct approach his identity only gives the extra dice to force users i think that's the, the, the i think that instantly fixes him yeah i think so i really like that change yes primarily because it's a thematic yes one, yes right it, it feels really dumb that you can tempt a magna guard to the dark side yes right yes and it, gaining extra power from the dark side should be a thing yeah. you only get to do if you're a force user yeah so with that being the case i know you're going to say you don't think vader needs to be nerfed yeah i think vader is still the strong the strongest figure in terms of like by himself what he's doing in the game with this change being made mm-hmm. and i think that it instantly solves a bevy of problems okay I also think magnets need to be nerfed. And my suggested fix for them is that the rightmost um, crit in each of their expertise trees becomes a hit. Yeah. I I think that that, uh, that alone, like, Mm -hmm. um, like, let's try that. And Django, we delete not so fast. Just delete it from the game. I don't think, I think it, it, I have never seen an ability produce more feels bad man than that. Right. It's just, and I have been the one dealing that I, Mm -hmm. I, I have had Django stop Mm -hmm. activations occasionally. But more often, I have been the one leveraging Django. And to be honest, it is it it doesn't cre- even though I'm like, oh, it's so cool because I've done some damage to your guys. Now I'm positioning yep. Django to put this you in this really bad position. It just leads to a lot of feels bad man, and he doesn't need it. Yep. He's still an unbelievably strong figure without it. And then I think that a few I think clones need to be buffed, but I think that maybe that change. I I defer to your judgment. I think that maybe they get an additional health and maybe the 501st gets a damage on their first step on their trade. So that like, that's my, I know that sounds like a lot, but I'm thinking that's a pretty yeah, that's, conservative. That's a pretty conservative. What do you think about that? So there's yeah, a lot about that I agree with and that I like. Okay. Right? So I think unquestionably Django and Magnus are so strong above the curve that they yep. need to be addressed. Absolutely. Um, I like that change for Magnus. I also think it's ridiculous that Magnus as a three cost support, have 10 health oh yeah great point so like like eve like they're mainly only i get that they're bodyguards i get that still still still, but like the as a three cost support they have the best offensive expertise in the game they have the best attack tree in the game not even counting supports they have it's better than most units period absolutely um they have the most health they have they roll five defense dice and and it's one and two for their Uh expertise conversion right it's literally exactly what you want it's crazy good yes and it they don't feel like a three cost support and that is a problem especially when dooku is just such like 
it does not feel like you're actually making sacrifices in order to bring Duco. Exactly. In the same way that you feel like you're making sacrifices with Mace. With Mace to bring pawns. Yes. Or to bring Five first. Or Absolutely. Bring, even to bring B1s. Yeah. You know. That's a good comparison. Right. Like all of those things. Arf Troopers are kind of wreck the curve in a similar way, but it's nowhere near as extreme. Nothing like it. I mean, I think Arf Troopers and B1s are very, they are, I think they are totally fine. I think Arf Troopers are better comparatively than B1s, but they are totally fine as three costumes. I I think the thing that's more awkward in that conversation is that, is that Arf Troopers are just better pound for pound than the four cost clone troopers. Yeah, that's true. Which is very silly. Yeah. I think the Arf Troopers are good, but fair. Yeah. Three cost supports. And I think that, like the four cost clones are just undertuned yeah, yeah. a little bit. But okay. so that aside, um, as far as Django is concerned, I have thought there are a million different ways that you could adjust him. Yes. And he kind of has a similar problem where it's like he has a ton of mobility, he has a ton of displacement. Yes. I have yelled about capture wire a lot, and I actually hate that ability more yeah. than I hate um not so fast. Not so fast. Yeah. Because like not so fast can create a situation where it just breaks an activation. That is super feels bad, man. That is backbreaking. Yeah. You know, that's whatever. And for those reasons, I think it would be great to, like, you could even just change not so fast to say, like, it can't wound in some yeah. fashion. Yeah. So that it's like, it does damage. It's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. But, or if it wounds a figure, I've, this is what I've heard is that the idea is that if a figure is wounded, your opponent draws another card, right? So that sure. their activation is increased. Yeah. They're still wounded, yeah. right? I don't love that because I think part of the symmetry of the game where you're on roughly the same pace through your deck as your opponent until Vader cases, comes out. Because Vader, right, when he's going to be reshuffling himself yeah. back in. But I you're right. Like, I see what you're saying. Like, there are some things there that, like, I like about the game. Agreed. Um, but capture wire to me especially seems so, insane. So because good. Because it is, it is force push. Yes. But it costs one less. Um, and they get pinned. And they get pinned. Yeah. And the downside, I guess, is like, it is true that pulling someone towards you is worse than pushing them away. Yes. But it is not one force plus a condition <laughs> much worse. That's exactly right. Right? Yeah. So I actually think that the fix that I would like to see for Django mm-hmm. is you make capture wire cost an action. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, because that also makes it so... That's interesting because the idea is that if you hit it on the tree, can you still get it if you hit it on the tree? But then you're still giving up two damage and a jump at that point, yeah, right? Uh, exactly. It's a fair trade, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's totally so, cause like, as, as Because as we've talked about, Diceless Displacement is so strong. It's so strong. Force push everywhere else costs two force. Yep. And so if you get it at a discount... Yeah, that's an interesting then, idea, man. You know, like... It, like you have to embrace some risk in order to do it yeah and what like, if it costs two force i think if it costs two force that is also fine okay um i think i think that is fair okay. i think that's less interesting of a change i think that is i i, I totally agree mm-hmm. what you're saying is it becomes a lot more interesting yeah right? so as far as vader is concerned so my general hot take on nerfs in the game right now is i kind of think you could just change Django and magnas and that fixes a lot of things yeah because then then vader grievous is worse vader and grievous and dooku all come down substantially because like and we talked about this earlier yeah there are so many things in the game that lean on the strength of those units in order to do what they want to do and i think that like especially magnas if you were taking some health away if then suddenly taking extra dice from vader hurts a lot more yeah because they're a lot more likely like if they're at eight health right yeah um so like i'm fine i i don't necessarily so 
I think Vader is good. Yeah. I think he should be good because he's an iconic Star Wars he figure. He absolutely should People be good. love him. He yeah. should be good. Yeah. And I like and I actually really like his place in the metagame where it's like he does he does not have super designated synergies. Yeah. But he is just sort of good within within certain contexts. Yeah. And then he finds a lot of homes as a splash piece. Because again, we're talking like Magnus and yep. Jango are so good. Yeah. But I think that that's a great place for Vader to be. Mm-hmm. I am fine with the idea of a nerf to so that his innate only affects force users. Yeah. It, it is weird because pretty much every innate ability like that in the game is limited in some way, either to keywords <laughs> yes. or by range. Yeah. And this one is not either. Yeah. And that's a little bit silly. It is a little strange. Um, but I also think that like, um, even if Vader is in a context where he's only giving himself the dice, like he's still a solid figure. Oh yeah. But, and, and I, and I think that. Cause Vader's activations are terrifying, right? Yeah. Cause he's going to kill anything. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what you want Vader to do. Right? Exactly. So like, I would be totally fine. Like, like my pick period might just be nerf Django and Magnus and see what else happens. I think that, I, I mean, to be honest, I think is an iterative approach. That's yeah. totally fine. I think that the, the obstacle is that with a physical game, yeah. it is hard to do an iterative approach. Yeah. And so really like if they're going to make changes, they have to do them in a lump sum. Yeah. And they have to say, we are changing all of these things in this way. And we are trying to future proof everything to bring the outliers on both sides towards the middle. Yeah. And I think the other piece that I would say about that is I I think that Republic is stronger than the larger community gives them credit for. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to talk about this in more detail in a future episode. Yep. But I think part of it is that their game is really a positioning game. Yes. And the way that they play a positioning game is different than how the rest of the game wants you to play. It's kind of different than how... Sh- shifting priorities yeah. the objective set wants you to play yeah so i think that a big part of the barrier with them is that people are positioning them improperly yes which was this was 100 my mistake yeah i'm putting people on the midline you should not be doing that yeah and that's that's part of it and i think that it's okay if there are some units in the game where it's like okay yeah their skill floor is lower yeah if you misposition you're going to get punished hard and that's okay yeah i think it is pretty unquestionably clear that the, the design intention for Republic in general, and especially clone troopers, is like they're weaker than on average individually, but they're giving you coordinated fire and other value added up over time. Yes. And I think that's very cool. And I think some of the fixes that people said, suggested were like, oh, make it innate or, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. I, I don't love those things because I think that I agree with like Sam that innate coordinated fire is just too strong. Yeah. Because it changes a couple of different things. It allows you to trigger it more than once in an activation. Yes. It makes it free always. And so there's no way to punish it or exact a cost from your opponent. Yeah. A lot of those things. I actually think that the larger issue is more that there is not a meaningful power difference between the three cost and the four cost clone yeah. supports. And so making it feel like you actually have an upgrade when you're bringing a four cost clone support, I think would do a lot to help some of the more underwhelming eight cost Republic primaries. Yeah. But in general, my kind of weird hot take about this is that I think, again, if you, if you change Django and Magnus, yeah, I think that Republic actually feels pretty good against the rest of the field, even as is. Yeah, this is your thing, is that when Republic isn't playing in a Dooku, Vader, Grievous, they feel fine. I mean, if you look at the Longshanks data for Mace Windu, he has 
a negative, a really negative win rate against Vader and against Grievous. Yeah. He has a dead even 50% win rate against Dooku. Okay. And he is positive against every other primary in the game. That's so interesting. And so like, and I, and that play that matches my experience as well, where it's like, you can run Mace Obi and feel good into everything that is not like Vader plus Grievous or Grievous plus Dooku. And then you're in a sad place. Yeah. And so, and that creates some interesting premier spots, I think, where you're like, okay, I have my all comers list and then I need like a counter list. Yeah. Which is part of why I'm like a pretty strong advocate for the, you know, like Mace Padme yeah. and then Ahsoka Dooku premier list. Yeah. That's sort of like I have a hard counter for Vader. Yep. And then I run this into everything else and feel great. Yeah, that's such an interesting idea. Um, and I, and I, I think that you could make, you could bring those outliers down. I would, I would love to see the clone troopers get a little bit of love. The other thing. What if they just got like plus two health? I think plus two health is too much. Okay. Because of Kenobi's knowledge and defense. Yeah. And because they are ranged units. Yeah. And because they can have impact. Like, I think that's probably too much. Okay. I think that you could maybe give them an extra defense die. Okay. Uh, just across the board. Okay. And that would actually feel pretty good. Okay. I'd be okay um, with that. And, and that would lean a little bit more into this idea that it's like they're trying to pre- prevent damage that's coming in. But if you hit the right point, then they're in trouble. Yeah. The also rewards positional play. Also right? rewards positional play. Yep. Because it also it means that you're stacking more with your hunger tokens and yep. you're covering your yeah. all your good stuff that way. The only problem is then is then we're really just balanced around Obi-Wan, right? And that's Well, I, the other thing that I think is a big missing piece for Republic actually is Plo Koon. I think Plo and is gonna be super part of what I think like it I have a theory, and this is completely unsubstantiated, other than this is just me looking at how the game was released. Yeah. It's really weird that we have this, like everything that we have upcoming that's released, except for the Plo Koon box is like Galactic Civil War stuff. Yeah. Or moving like, forward. Yeah. And that too. box is just out of sync for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I think that probably what happened there is they design Galactic Republic kind of as a unit yes. within the context of that Plo Koon box. With Plo Koon. With as him like available of- as a resource. Yeah. And they were sort of like, Oh, we want to do a pre-order bonus. Yeah. What if we do Padawan Ahsoka because she's a really iconic character yeah. from this era, you know, the Clone Wars TV show. Yep. And but in order for that to feel like value, we need to push her box back. Mm. Yeah, I that's an interesting. And idea. so, like, I think it's very possible that, like, because what is like Plo Koon is giving extra durability yeah. to clones and Padawan specifically, yeah. which has been a big problem for them. One hundred percent. Right. And. He also, in his box, has those melee-focused clones. Like, who knows? It could yeah. be that everything in that box is just bad. and it's... We can see, at least with Plo, that Plo is going to be a solid figure. Yes. Right? And so the question is going to be, Wolfpack, what does their tree look like? What is uh, what is his name? Command- is it literally I, I Commander, Commander Wolf? Wolf and that's, that's why so it's funny. Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. I mean, it's going to be really funny to just see how that works. Yeah. Out, so. so there's a lot that we don't know about that, but I have a bit of a theory that he's a missing piece that the Republic really needs in order to hum. Yeah. But I think that they could very reasonably tweak a couple of numbers up on commandos 212, especially 501st and Cody. So that those are units that you actually maybe want to play sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think you play commandos frequently are your go-to choice for for, four cost clone. Yeah. But I mean, that's just more of a lack of options rather than a choice. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. But I think it's very plausible that with the addition of Plo Koon and no other changes other than, you know, bringing Django and Magnus down a, pa- a peg, 
things are fine. I think that we actually see, I mean, I don't know, but I bet Django Magna's nerf comes sooner than we think. You think so? I don't think it's a year from now. I think I could see it coming in six to eight months yeah. that like by next summer right because we'll have had a more of the galactic republic releases i mean that's june and august you know that's the summer of next month and i could see amg thinking about you know making some kind of a change i think that was kind of the idea that there was a, a nerf within like a year of mcp yeah right i think it was two years in was oh was it nerf really? came in yeah. and mcp mcp was a little bit different in a lot of ways because it, it came out in late 2019 oh that's and right and so organized play was a lot more you they know, didn't like, have organized play. I, the, it, there was a big tabletop simulator that was it that but, kept the game alive yeah but like that impacted a lot of stuff there yeah um and i think that so the other thing is we I think there's also a lot of potential that stuff in the next wave is going to impact the yeah. metagame dramatically. Yeah. Particularly because we're looking at adding new factions, new, yeah. new everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I am not a game designer. I have never worked professionally as a game designer. Yeah. I have played a lot of games. Yeah. But if I were in AMG shoes and I was even sitting where I am now, or I'm like, it looks like these guys probably get a nerf. I would put that on the short list, yeah. but I would want to, at the very least, wait until the next wave, next comes, wave comes out and has an impact, Yeah, which I think like we're, we're looking at releases for those in January. Yeah. So like, I would be like, I would be shocked if they do anything to pull the trigger before next summer. Yeah. And I would be not at all be surprised if it is quite a bit later than that. Yeah. Because it's very possible that like, cause like what you don't want to do is make a permanent change. Yeah. And then have those units be too weak yeah. in the I, future. I mean, I think that with Django Magnus, I just don't see that happening. But I, agree. I don't know. I mean, I guess we see. I think the real problem for us is that AMG doesn't really have any kind of feedback loop, right? Like with we don't have official Shatterpoint tournament tournaments, right? It's just community feedback. Yeah. Right? I mean I think I think that the official tournaments are less valuable than tournament tryhards would like to say that they are. I mean, but it's at least some that. kind of data, right? As opposed to just I don't know. I guess mm -hmm. we'll see. But Hope Springs yeah. Eternal. Yeah. I and this is something we've talked about a lot with the Marvel Snap too. Sometimes the perception of a buff or the perception of a nerf is enough to encourage people to play things less or play things more and experiment yep. and solve for stuff. And so sometimes you have to you all you need to do is change numbers in a way that is not actually meaningful but that feels more meaningful than it is. Yeah. So that people will take a good look at those things again and figure out, oh actually, yeah, there are some things that work well here. Yeah, one hundred percent. Keep playing Shatterpoint. Have some great holidays. We love you all. Hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Bye.